Oh, no, 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 I'm not ready. No, come on, man. I love my Okay, now you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Alright, go ahead. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, a podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave. And I'm Chris. I think Chris is up to something, so what are you up to? No, I'm not up to anything. I'm I just sure. want to start with this email. You want to just start with the email? I can. I had something I was going to do, but you just can't do, do it. Just do your thing. I just have some notes. And okay, well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. One, of, hear. one of my notes was about the voice memos, and Dave doesn't always listen to the voice memos. I usually listen to them. Dave does a lot of things that I don't do. He does all the Facebook. I do none on the Facebook. To, to throw you your bone right there. But anyways, sometimes we play voice memos, right? And what Dave usually hasn't heard it, so we'll play the voice memo, and Dave and I talk, and then I layer it in later. And then the voice memo ends, and a lot of the time, Dave has absolutely no fucking clue what was said in the entire voice memo. But you comment on it. You literally heard one sentence at some point, and you use that one sentence to formulate your response to the voice memo. Dude, how do you do school? Are you going to defend yourself? How do you handle school? Yeah, but I don't respect school as much as I respect the dopey nation. Listen... We all have our, our uh, character defects and our problems, yeah. and I have this, it's like, I don't want to blame it on attention and deficit disorder, but yeah. something happens to me, and I just can't pay attention. Well, I want to pay attention. I, I try so hard to pay attention, yeah. and I just, I pay attention to the Facebook messages. I write, I, I, I'm, I'm actively close. engaged in those conversations. It's just the voice memo. I'm just like... Well, the reason you do that is because you can multitask with those. You can be doing something else and responding to Facebook. The voice memo, it's like you have to sit and listen to it. What do you... What do you, do you so you're saying you listen and pay attention to everything? Everything. It's like, who are you? You're such a <laughs> fucking <laughs> hypocritical piece of shit. I, I will say that when we get a voice memo that's 25 or 30 minutes, Dopey Nation, I just... I can't listen to that whole thing. The only time I ever listen to one of that long is if I'm driving and the mood strikes... It's like, I, I don't have, I can't listen to I can't listen to fucking 11 minutes. I need, I can barely listen to seven. I want seven the max, four the min, four to seven. I'll listen, I promise. Just make them short. Where, what am I fucking, I'm listening to a book on tape over here? What am I doing? It's like, give me a break. All right, I want to start with this email because we got to call somebody, all right? So we got an email from Jonah. It's short. Wait, I want to say something before you do this. I want, I want to tell a little story before. Okay, we but we need to get that in the yeah. email before the call. It's really the, it's it's a story about the purpose of dopey. Okay. Okay. The other a couple of weeks ago, it might have been a month ago, I took uh, my wife's car to the Subaru dealership. Okay. okay? And at this, I love going to the Subaru dealership because at the Subaru dealership. You sit down in a waiting room. They've got a little coffee machine. They make you coffee or hot cocoa or whatnot. And you sit there and I bring my computer and I bring my headphones and, you know, I just watch what I want to watch. Or, I, or maybe I'll communicate with the Dopey Nation on Facebook or maybe yeah. I'll read emails or write emails or work on something. It's me time. Yeah. And I can put on my headphones and I, I don't exist. But yeah. so I get there. And they're watching uh, whoever's on live with Regis and Kathy Lee now, like uh, Kelly and Ryan Seacrest, okay? And I, I th- and I loved Regis Philbin, okay? I, I loved Regis Philbin. Yeah. Like, I thought he, for me, for my money, the, my two favorite talk show hosts in the history Regis of the world. Regis is who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. Okay. Regis and Howard Is he Stern. still on then? No, Regis is like dying. He's- my mom loved Regis and Kathy Lee. And then she didn't like the person that replaced Kathy Lee. Kelly. 
She 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 stopped watching the show. Regis, I loved. Uh, he's very uh, just. He seems pretty like humble. He's just very likable. He's, he's likable. very funny. He like makes jo- He just makes. He'd fun. be like what Bush would be if Bush was like Bush was like not a good president, but he would have been a good like show host. Right. He would have been. Yeah. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? Regis was so good, and uh, and Howard Stern. For my money, Howard Stern is the greatest. Like, yeah. but the point is, so I walk in and and. Uh, and Kelly and Ryan Seacrest are on, and they're hosting their show, and they're sitting on the stage, and yeah. they're talking about their vacation or whatever. Mm. And I'm watching this, and, and all of a sudden I'm realizing what Dopey is, mm. and Dopey is supposed to be that, but good, for people who have dealt with addiction. <laughs> yeah. Dopey is supposed to be a talk show that keeps people company that has dealt with addiction, not some fake-ass piece of shit fucking thing. Regis was funny it's not even, and cute. It's true because it's not even supposed to be... I mean, we have to have Dopey in every hour episode. I talked to Dave about this. We need 10 minutes at least of Dopey. And when I say that, I mean war stories, drug talk, you know, depravity. Specific drug <clears throat> stories. But we gravitated away from... Because it's not, we say in our tagline, 80% debauchery, 20% recovery. We're not really that. It's more like 80% Shooting the shit, yeah. nothing, you know, two addicts just talking about their lives and other people's lives, and then 20% of, of recovery and Dopey. But my dream is for Dopey to be a morning talk show like Live with Regis and Kathy Lee or whoever these fuckers are, so be but do- with us. But Dopey with Dave and Dr. Chris. Well, it would be Dr. Dave and Chris. That's what it would be. Why Dr. David? Because I don't, I'm not going to be Dave. You're just going to be Dave. I think it should be Doctor Chris and Coach Dave. <laughs> it's going to be, going to be Dave and clinical psychologist Chris. Yeah, I, 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 you, you just, you're just like, it's so funny because you're going to just fade away as soon as you. I, it's just, I look forward to it. What do you mean? I just, it's going to steal Have your I soul. Have I faded yet? You're fading. How am I fading? I'm here and I'm present. Here. And we're putting out good product. Dave's panicking about the state of Dopey. And we literally got emails saying the last, not the most recent one, but the ones before. So no, people, the best have, episodes. people really like the last yeah. one, too. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like, it's failing. It's not working anymore. No, but it's my neuroses is one of the anchors that keeps our ship sailing. I agree with that. Are you but kidding me? we both me? have neuroses. And, that, and that, those are the twin pillars of the Dopey Society. <laughs> so our neuroses. Yeah. Yeah. I actually agree. I think it kind of works because yeah, of that. Exactly. All right. Let me read this fucking email. All right. Before we call this guy. This is from But Jonah. what's your neuroses? Um, I want Dopey to happen. I Just the same as you. I just don't panic about it. It's me panicking like we need to get it done no matter what. What's your... But like... I, I Dave's neuroses is anything goes wrong and he's like, let's just end the show. No, that's <laughs> my... Like, it's over. No, that's my, my... My my need is like if something is bad, I want to destroy it before it destroys me. And he does that Dopey Nation. Dave, at least three or four times has been like, fuck it. Let's just stop the no, show. No, it's way worse than that. I'm like, it's over. It's over. I don't care. <laughs> fuck you. I'm done. And you know what I've learned from like our history with that is when you go there, I just don't even like tango with it. I used to tango with it. It just gets worse. I just pull away for a half hour and usually you come to your senses. I always apologize. Yeah. I always do a tenth step. <laughs> yeah, but if I keep talking, it just gets worse. I just need to pull away for 30 minutes. I love it when you... You, you used to panic. I used it. to panic. I now love I it. Even listen it was to so it. enjoyable when you <laughs> yeah, used to panic. And it makes it worse when I panic. And then you're like, fuck it. I'm like, stepping. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, read the email. All right. So this is a, a dopey email. It's a higher octane deal. This is from Jonah. 
Hey guys, been listening since the 10th-ish episode. Huge fan, love you guys. It's a great thing you're doing, even if it's just giving everyone something to look forward to every week like me. Nice. At the time of writing this, I'm pretty tweaked on meth, sitting in a Walmart parking lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm driving this girl around, boosting shit from stores so she can pay for hotel and I can get some dope. I've been wanting to write you guys for like a year, but I'm really insecure about talking or being social at all when I'm not high. He's writing this when he's high, so it's, you know, it's... It's, it's coming out. He's writing it. It's coming out. I'm teetering hard on the edges of recovery and saying, fuck it. I've had so many multiple month runs of clean time, but my shitty negative mental state always yanks me into bad temporary solution. I've seen addicts way deeper into addiction do more successfully than me, and I'm starting to think it's because the shittiness of being a little sick every now and then, being broke, and having a heroin habit does not outweigh my depressing, hopeless outlook on life and myself. I've never successfully IV'd anything other than missing one time and saying, fuck the needle, I will not come back from that, it's going to be too good and affordable at the start. Dave, I love your tunes and have jammed to the filthiest nation SoundCloud many times. You have an awesome taste in music, man. Let me know if you're hip to folk punk at all. If you want to reply or if by chance either of you read this dumb rant, just know you are loved and to keep on living the best you can no matter what. Did I write back to him? Did either of us? I wrote back. I didn't write back? Yeah, I think I wrote back. What's his name? Jonah. Jonah, thank you. Um, fucking, uh... But that's so true what he said. It's like... If your life, if you stop using and you're hopeless and and depressed and life sucks, then being a little sick and being broke is might be better because you get some temporary relief. Like that's is that's that what true. he says? Yeah, yeah. It's not Jonah. Your outlook isn't unique to yourself. Part of recovery, you know, a big thing is building value in your life. You know, it's like people will say like, "Oh, it's not worth using anymore." Well, what do you have that's worthwhile when you're sober to not, you know what I mean? Like just being not worth using isn't enough to have you not. I don't use. understand what you you're saying. You have to build worth in your life elsewhere. What he was saying is that when he gets sober, his life sucks. So why not just, you know, use and be like a little broken, sick all the time, even though that sucks, it doesn't suck as much as being sober. Well, I think that I'm saying build value in your life and have worth. I think it's funny because it's, it's very much, there's a word that I don't know what it is. I can't access right now, but it's like. Being a little sick and a little broke is one thing, but being sick constantly and broke all the time and having nothing for many years is another thing. It's like the beginning. Yeah, but what I, but to me, the depravity and the consequences of using have always only been enough for me to stop temporarily. Because once I stop, even if I have some money and everything's all right, if I have that untreated baseline restlessness, irritable, and discontentedness. That accompanies untreated alcoholism. That to me is so much worse than that depravity you're talking about. I'm just – that's not what I'm saying though. What I'm saying is it's like – it's like I know people who get clean and they go to meetings and they get nothing from it and they don't enjoy being clean. And I know people who are using and are using miserably. I just think being clean, the happiness grows on you with time. And being miserable, the misery grows. Yeah, he didn't give it a shot. You know, he didn't give enough time. I also think like it's well. The other thing is, you stop, and some people get the pink cloud. Some people it turns around. For most of us, there's a part to be endured that sucks in the beginning. Right. We have to call this guy now. I made a commitment. Who is this guy? This guy, his name is Garrett. As an addict, you're honoring your commitments. Your word is your bond. 
I, I, I do my best. Yeah. I wouldn't go that Gary, far. Gary, sorry. His name's Gary. What? His name is Garrett. Garrett. And, and, and let's have him. Let's see if he can explain who he is. He, I went to school with him. And when, and my, is my, he a drug addict? He was. He's in recovery. Is he recovered? Well, let's find out. I'm very excited. I haven't talked to this guy in forever. He's a very mysterious figure to me. And I'll explain it when I get him on the phone. Ooh, Nels from Texas wants to call in and ask if all men in recovery are pussies. Should yeah. I say ask her if she can call in in the next couple Long hours? answer, no. Short answer, yes, I'll with say, a but. Can you call in sometime over the next couple hours? You almost had a little thing with Nels. Are you happy you didn't I mean, have her no, come? We'll talk about that when she Are you happy you didn't have her come now? She's great. I still keep in contact with her. You didn't answer the question. She said for real. Why did she say for real? Because I asked her to call in. She's surprised. <clears throat> okay, I'm trying to do this. What are you doing, man? This is dead air. Talk, You're not man. putting What's on wrong a good you? show, man. What, what are you... Are fumbling you... around and fucking up your phone? How much I'm, battery life do you have? 7%? Chris, why don't you make something useful happen? A- answer me how much battery life it's, you have. It's really none of your fucking business. <laughs> I like that. Dave lives his life on 5%. You don't know anything about my life. <laughs> you don't know what, what anything about me. You really don't. You have no clue of how I conduct my life. I know you better than you know yourself. It's, that's the reverse. <laughs> I'm just too stupid to figure out how to call from a number... Here, so I gotta write down the number. You just push the number, copy it, or push do- it in the calls for you. It's not doing that. <laughs> Dave's writing with this dry ass marker. <laughs> it's such a metaphor for his life. Two percent on his battery. Writing with a marker that doesn't work. You're an idiot. Your whole life is handed to you on a silver fucking platter. <laughs> you sound jealous. You disgust me. You sound jealous. You're disgusting. We're breaking exactly. my father's house right You're now. Exactly. You know, you know my father, like he hates it when I yell at you. It, like he like gets all. I can imagine, but he gets all sad. Why? And all. <laughs> he hates it when I yell at you. Why? Because because you're being a bully. Please. You're a bully. You're like a weird subversive bully. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Gotta get it together. <laughs> Just stay present here, okay? Is he gonna answer? Hello? Garrett? Yes, is this David? It is, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on, boss? You tell me. I'm trying to explain who you are to my my co-host Chris on the thing. Hey Garrett, what's up? It's Chris. <laughs> What's going on, Chris? How are you? I'm good. How are I you? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm the, the one and only, the legend, uh, Sloppy Jones. <laughs> Sloppy Jones? Sloppy Jones. He's like, when I, I got to... I, nickname? I do. I got to Sony yeah. Purchase in 1994. I moved into a suite full of, like, criminal Dominicans, this weird actor... <laughs> Me and my roommate Zev, Zev's friend, and then in the corner room was Sloppy Jones Garrett and his strange roommate Paul. Garrett would wear like, like, 
like basketball jerseys. He had pink hair, orange hair, weird glasses. He'd walk around with a lunchbox full of markers. He had a really hot little goth girlfriend. And he had been a junkie, but he was clean and living in this weed suite. But why Sloppy Jones? He was a rock star. But what does that mean? I don't know. Why Sloppy Jones? Well, it was my my nickname. And I had flunked out of Cobalskill University uh in 1990 and you know my nickname became sloppy because i loved to do you know i was really into doing lsd but i was such an alcoholic that by the time the acid would wear off i would be sloppy tripping you know totally (laughs) drunk stumbling around and tripping so they would call me sloppy or slop and the jones came because i never had any money and I was always jonesing for something, whether it was a cigarette or a booze or whatever. So they started calling me Sloppy Jones. So I made it my stage name in my band. You know, back then, you know, in the 90s, stage names were the thing. You know, Slash, Axel, you know, everybody had a stage name. So that was mine. Except that wasn't famous. That is a classic etymology. I love it. Dude, Garrett was, <laughs> if you had seen him, he was as famous as you could be without being famous at all. <laughs> Well, I was on the road of fame because I was I was sober for my in my early twenties, and then you know I can absolutely say that the reason I'm not famous today was because I picked up alcohol and started drinking again, and everything went out the window. It was a total disaster, and you know I ended up back you know ten years later sober, no no fame, no fortune, and uh, you know being a corporate slob. So what happened? When did you? When did you? Were you? Were you ever on serious drugs back then? Before I met you? No, you know I was never. I never ever. I you know I knew pretty much at an early age that there was something different about my drinking and stuff. So you know I knew don't go near cocaine, don't go near smack. I would be that would be over and done. You know. So I was like you know I love to smoke weed and I love drinking and you know. I tried to really, even from like the early teens, like try and prolong my drinking career and I ended up in AA in 19. So like my, my drug use was really basically smoking weed and then, uh, LSD, acid, mushrooms, stuff like that. So actually the story I was going to tell for your show had to do with my first experience with mescaline and acid. Tell it. Because Let's hear it. Yeah, it just, it started off disastrously. I, you know, I thought like going into it, I was 16 and I got it from, I got two hits of uh, mescaline from this kid at work, I mean from school, and they were two really little, little things. They were orange and I thought like, ah, you know, what's the big deal? And me and my friend made a plan that he was going to come over with some weed and we were going to drink in my basement and then try mescaline for the first time. And it was a Friday and I got home from school. I had it. And, um, you know, so I just wanted to get it started. So I took one of the two and left, you know, the other one was for him. Not, no, I thought maybe I'd feel drunk or stoned or something. And funny enough, like I started rushing, like it was going to start. I didn't know what was happening to me. And my job called me. I worked at a pet store. And they were like, oh, we need you to come in. So I was like, okay, no big deal. <laughs> so I, I called my friend, and I was like, let's do it another time. And I took his. 
and this is the first time I ever did it, and I went into work at the pet store tripping on two hits of mescaline, and I was, do I, hallucinations, visuals, everything, I mean, I was out, of, I was ready, I was losing it. You know, I, um, you know, I was the cleaning guy, and like in the back there was a whole refrigerator full of dead animals, you were the cleaning guy? I was the cleaning guy. Wait, the they're dead guy animals. Why, do you even... Why were there dead animals in the back of the store, Garrett? Well, when they would die, if they didn't sell them, like birds and hamsters and, and everything, we would put them in the freezer until the mortician would come. So I was tripping my face off, and they were rolling around in there and like, you know, it was dirty, so like the walls on the, uh, the walls were dirty and the smudges started looking like animals descending into hell. <laughs> and I, I was flipping. And so, you know, like I also had to be on the floor and like once in a while, like, you know, like it was, you know, we had good traffic back then. Well, back then, who, everybody went to the mall, you know? And I'll never forget, like, you know, like if people wanted to see the dogs, they would say, you know, go get me that dog. You'd bring him out of the cages and hand them to the people. And um, they would, you know, potentially, you know, most people just wanted to hold the dogs. But I was tripping face, and this lady, she was definitely probably pushing 300 pounds, this black lady with a real southern accent. Yeah. She grabbed me, and she was like, whoa, yo, son, go get me that white fluffy dog. <laughs> <laughs> Driven out. I went in there and I got it was a Samoy, you know, a big white fluffy oh. dog. And I handed it to the lady and I don't know if I was hallucinating or she was just a wacky lady and she was like cradling the dog, rocking back and forth, <laughs> being like, Oh, I want me one of these white fluffy dogs, mister <laughs> And I started thinking that she like wanted me to be the dog and I was so and so really I had I, you know like I, I thought I was losing my mind and lucky enough you know um, I guess one of the people I worked with called my friend because we were all kind of friends that I worked with I didn't want to tell him what I did but um, you know called one of my friends and you know he called me and um, you know they were like you got a phone call and I picked up the phone and he started going hello 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 Garrett, 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 Garrett. What's going on? What's going on? I was like, oh my God, I'm losing my life. I started crying in the bed And uh, he was like, oh, it's coming out, man. You're totally driven out. And he came and he like, you know, he talked. We went out back and we talked. And he's like, you know, uh, you know, we're going to go to a party. You know, like, and I was like, okay, uh, maybe I'll have some time to let this stuff wear off. And back then, you know, used to just go to a dead-end street, and they'd have keggers and stuff. Right. And uh, a, couple, a couple of the guys that I worked with were, um, you know, they were into, like, hardcore music, and, you know, they were, you know, shaved heads, combat boots and everything, and, like, they were like, okay, you know, we'll take you to this party. You know, they knew what was going on. And so they came back in their hardcore gear with their shaved heads, and, like, I really thought they were like Nazi guys. You know, I totally, <laughs> totally didn't realize they were my friends anymore. Like I was kind of losing my mind and they were like, come on, we're taking you to a, you know, we're taking you to a party. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, they had to basically wrestle me in the car and I really thought they were going to kill me because I had a, um, 
I had a necklace that was, uh, you know, like a Rasta. I was into like reggae music and stuff. Yeah. And I thought they were going to kill me because I was wearing a Rasta <laughs> necklace. And they took me to this kegger. It was like in this open field and I was running through, they were chasing me through the woods and stuff. And I was tripping out. They finally corralled me and like took me back to my house. And, you know, basically my brother, he's the godsend. He, he, you know, he had friends that were, you know, took the walk of life, too, and, like, you know, he kind of talked me down, and, like, I just, like, laid on the floor, basically for hours, curled up, and, you know, so that was, that was my first experience with LSD or mescaline, and, of course, you would think, such a horrible trip, like, I would never <laughs> do it again, right? But, of course, I, you know, I had plenty of other ones in my day, so... You know, honestly, you know, I was never into the, you know, the snack or the crack or the heavy stuff like that. But, you know, I, um, you know, and basically, you know, I was like really just trying to hang in there and have fun. But, you know, it just was one thing after another that just got me back to the rooms. And I always think the best, I mean, the, the, the heroin stories and meth and cocaine, like they're, they're depraved. The best stories are always hallucinogenic stories. Because they always involve, like, thinking something differently <laughs> yeah. than really what's happening. They're so good. Yeah. But yeah. When, um, when, pretty... when I got to purchase, right. fucking Garrett lived in our suite. He lived across the hall. And I knew, like, the first time that me and him talked that this was a very special person. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> You're a very special person. And I was just so fucking stupid. You know, I was just such a stoner. And, and like, we, me and, me and my roommate were driving to Central Park and buying sheets of acid and selling it. You know, we were selling acid. And, and I would hang out with Garrett, like, at the end of the night. It's like, if, if my life was home improvement, like, Garrett was Wilson. <laughs> yeah. He would, like, stand on the other side of the, the fence and talk me through this or that. Yeah. And I can only, I, if I had been sober, I think we would have had a lot more fun. Well, I, you know, Dave, that was the thing is, you know, I lived so vicariously through you, you know, because like you said, I had a girlfriend and you were a single guy. So like your hijinks with the dancers and the this and the that were like fun for me to listen to. And then like, yes, you would come in and you would tell us your problems. And like, you made me grateful that I wasn't doing that. I was like, well, I'm doing the right thing. I didn't end up like Dave in this situation and that situation. So <laughs> true. I really adored you, man. You were a real, like, I really, I enjoyed the time we spent together. It was a great year, you know? It really it was. was. It, it was really entertaining was. and it kept you sober. <laughs> yeah, it really did, you know? And it was a place, like Dave said, where, like, you know, the guys next door were drug dealers and, like, they hated me for whatever reason, whether it was because I was a freak punk rocker, you know, uh, wh whatever, you know, like, or, you know, but it was the land of misfits toys. That's why they were the ones that stood out, you know, like just because I wore a skirt and, you know, pigtails and a carried lunch bag didn't mean that I was different there. I was the norm and they hated me for some, whatever reason. They were insane. I remember one, they, had, that? they had problems, those kids. They, they did. They did, and I know. Like, one time it came up, one of the guys, I would never forget it, because me and Paul, he used to laugh about it all the time. Like, you know, it was a morning, and, you know, like, he came up, one of the guys came up to me, and he was like, you know, they were from Riverdale, right? Yeah. And he was like, I'm just going to cap you, uptown style. <laughs> and I'm like... Uptown style? Uptown style. <laughs> you know, like, that's your hard come on. You come at me, you're going to cap me uptown style? Like, what is that, with a cap gun? 
you know, just, they were ridiculous, man. Tell tell Chris the story of your roommate, though, because that's a fucked up story. Well, yeah, he was, you know, he had his, he had, you know, and that was the thing, you know, like, you know, I definitely learned it through him. You know, he was one of those guys that, like, you couldn't pick him out in the crowd. You know, he always wore a baseball cap. He was always very um, subdued and, like, didn't want to stand out. But um, he, um, you know, he was very, he, he talked to me and, and Dave, you know, like he liked you, Dave, and like he liked to talk to you, but like not many other people like, uh, you know, even the Zever man, you know, who doesn't like Zev? And, you know, like he would talk smack about Zev after he left the room and I'd be like, oh, he's a cool guy, you know. But, um, you know, he, um, he, well, he, I don't know if it had to do a lot with, you know, he had a boyfriend for a little while and like they had a falling out and you know, like that type of thing. But he really went off the deep end and, um, you know, he got these pets, you know, one day, you know, he was always into something, whether it was his cocaine binge for a week or, you know, something strange. He, but I always thought he was I, like, I thought he was like, like he had never done drugs. And then in that year he had like, <laughs> he would like, he took acid from us. He would spend the whole night in my room playing SimCity on my computer. And then he would just take yeah. acid every day. And then one time he got Coke, he started doing it every day. Yeah. And by the end of the semester, right. he was, he was a shell of a, of a human. It was, it was sad. You're exactly right. He did, he did nothing uh, wrong. Never did drugs, never drank. He didn't smoke, you know, and like, he started smoking because I smoked and he didn't really inhale and it was very strange, but like, you're right, he never did anything, um, out of the ordinary, but, you know, he got these gerbils and this is why he, well, he got these gerbils and they were his pets and, you know, it, it was all right, you know, he treated them okay and everything and then, you know, every once in a while, you know, like, He'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm like, what? You had five gerbils. How come there's only, oh, one died? And, you know, like, then it went down to three. Then it went down to two. Then it went back to five. And it went back to, and, you know, I didn't think anything really of it, you know? But um, he went into this, like, I don't know. He went into a weird, um, a downward spiral. And um, it was all in good fun, honestly. Wait, like, wait, what the fuck when... happened to the gerbils? Do you know what was happening though? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to. Okay. Because <laughs> I think he, honestly, in my heart of hearts, as much as I liked Paul, I really do think he's a serial killer because <laughs> later, uh, you know, these gerbils were disappearing and coming back. And, the, and um, there was one other really really outstandingly good-looking young man who was like a rocker guy. And I remember he was there that day, and he they were both kind of like goofing around. And, um, you know, he, he, I don't know if he went into the gerbil, the cage, and killed the gerbil, or the gerbil was sincerely dead. But long story short, Paul basically chopped the head off of the gerbil, uh. Crazy glued it to the front of our door oh. and crazy glued a cigarette into his mouth. Do you remember that? No, it's coming back to me. I think How I, do you forget something? I, 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 I blocked that kind of thing out. That's a, I don't remember. I don't. I remember seeing it. And and we went to art. We went to an art school, so it just seemed like yeah. an arty thing. But I didn't realize that he actually <laughs> executed the gerbil, and I didn't think about that aspect of it. Where, Gary, well, what did you the way, study there? And, and I'm, 
I studied uh, English literature. Right. Between, the, the, between yeah. the, the gerbil massacres, the drug dealers, and your prolific drug use, you're not really selling SUNY Purchase. Oh, it was a good time. We had a good, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. I played in bands. You know, I got to beat the guys from the negative hate, and I played with those characters. And, um, you know, but long story short, that, you know, like, that little mounted, uh, it was almost like a trophy, you know, like hunters put their trophies on the wall. <laughs> that got him kicked out of school. He got kicked out of school for that? Yes, he got kicked out of school for that. And, um, you know, it had to do, he had to go see the school psychiatrist. Well, he was very antisocial. He had an antisocial, whatever you call it. That is, like, that's one of the, like, criteria for people who have uh, antisocial personality disorder. Like, one of the things they ask is, like, do you fuck with animals? Yeah, exactly. So it started to fall into place with, like, maybe this guy is sincerely a, 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 a serial killer or something. But... And you know, like I said to you on the old uh, computer there, that like I've tried to track him down just out of interest, just to say hello because he liked me. We got along so well, and I can't find him anywhere in the world. He is like I've tried to track him down, but but there's something also. I had a buddy in high school who was not like Paul, but he was like Paul because he was gay and he was um, like not out gay. And I can't find him yeah. either. I think that something happens with, with gay people who aren't comfortable being out and they don't want to be out in public, like, in any way. It's yeah. so weird, though, because you never think of a gay person being a serial killer. Huh. But that, too, I don't, I, I don't, I really question his sexuality. Like, I don't know that he was gay either. You know, like, um, you know, it was a very, you know, I, I think he was happy to have somebody that kind of understood him but like all the horsing around that went on I don't know if he was really gay straight or anything honestly it could be that he was just a serial killer and like murder you know <laughs> stop it you don't know that he was a serial killer <laughs> Paul could have a really nice life someplace right now but let me ask you something more important um, yeah. I, I mean I would love to hear your memories about about purchase and, and us and everything, but I think for the for the listeners, I think it's more important. You t- How did you wind up relapsing? What happened? Well, you know, and I really thought, you know, it was one of those where I had gone through almost all those uh, problems in life. You know, I've been to weddings and I've got that beautiful gothic girl that you were talking about broke up with me and I was heartbroken. What was her name? What's her name? Yeah, I forgot. Naomi. Oh, yeah, Naomi. Remember? Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful person. She was. She really is. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't her. It was just the time. She was, well, you were young. So she, I, she was a teenager or something. Yeah, well, we were both, I was maybe two or three years older than her, but it was, you know, we were in our 20s, and, yeah. you know, it just didn't work out. She might have know, been 20 but, years old or something. She was young, you know what I mean? It's like, well, I mean, yeah. the, the odds of something like that working out are so slim at that age. Yeah, very slim. But, you know, I got through that sober, and I got through maybe even another breakup sober and weddings, and I went through most of that. What got me, Dave, was I had pinched a nerve in my neck. And you hear this a lot in the rooms is I pinched a nerve in my neck, and I went to a chiropractor. You know, I was going to meetings, and I was trying to do it, and I was trying to get through that pain, and I couldn't. You know, and I... um Long story short, my father 
who had his own issues with, you know, pain pills and all that. He had, you know, bottles and bottles of Dilaudid and Vicodin and, you know, uh, all that shit. Because he was in, you know, he had back pain and such. You know, he came to me and he was like, look, you've been sober for six years. Why don't I have Tylenol or codeine? Why don't you just take one? And, I, you know, I've been weeks, maybe even months of this pain in my neck. And I said, all right, he gave me this bottle. It had probably about, I want to say, like 50 pills. And like one turned into two, turned into five, turned into ten, turned into, like, I, you know, I was constipated for days of, you know, <laughs> like taking these. And I was like, look, if I don't drink, I think I'm going to kill myself with these pills. Next thing I knew, I was drinking again, you know. And uh, I was like, you know, I had had six years. I had sponsored people. I'd gone through the steps and things. And, you know, I thought, like, well, you know, I'll just go back and I'll be fine. I'll get sober again. And ten years later and a bunch of trouble and all kinds of stuff happened. And, you know, I could not get sober. You know, like, I kept going back to the rooms and I'd relapse. And it was a horror show. You know, so many stories of, you know, and funny to take it full circle, you know, when I picked up the alcohol, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to smoke pot, I'm going to drink, and that's it, you know. And I was living over in Rockland with the guys from the band who, they did smack, they did heroin, they did stuff. There right. was a zoo. It was like, the house looked like the house in Fight Club that those guys lived in. It was oh, disgusting. Yeah. Right. And I was, you know, drinking my bottle of wine, went into a blackout. And the next thing I knew, I came to and I was tripping. And I was like, oh, my God. And there was like 10 people in my room, like girls with no shirt on, dancing. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, we gave you acid. You know, like when you drink, I mean, when you take acid, you could drink like a fish. And I came to like tripping. Yeah. You know? Dude, I had that happen all and the time. I, same thing. Keep going. You did the same thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so the, the funny part of the story was, you know, these guys that I met in Purchase, they knew me from being sober. And they in, in Purchase, they used to say, you know, like, after band practice, like, oh, why don't you just have one drink? Why don't you have a beer? Come on, you know, why not? You're in college. You're and I was like, no, you don't understand. And I kept saying that and saying that. Well, now, spin it forward, they actually had an intervention. These smackhead, crackhead fools <laughs> sat me down. And I was only active again for like a month or two, and they were like, you know, dude, you got to stop, man. <laughs> and I was like, what, are you kidding me? I just got started again. And I, you know, they had to give it a spin forward a few months. Those guys kicked me out of the band for drinking too much. And, you know, those things, it just, it just snowballed, you know, I was looking at getting fired from my corporate job, and, you know, like... Were you corporate then, Garrett? I would, yes, I had a job, I worked for uh, a furniture company in their corporate headquarters, and, like, it was, you know, uh, account rep by morning, and death metal... Star you have to understand, Chris. <laughs> this guy, he described it. He would wear a skirt and pigtails with a green lunchbox, the hottest girlfriend in the world. Yeah. You know, like skipping around, maniac. He talks like Buster <laughs> Poindexter. He played bass. You know, he's a lunatic. And then, you know, 30 years or whatever, 20 years later, 
I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happened to Garrett? And I go on Facebook and I look him up. He's got short hair. He's in a cubicle with cat pictures in the cubicle. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what the fuck happened? I know. Well, that should teach all your young listeners to stay sober or you're going to end up being in a cubicle form. You no, know? but you it's, seem I, thrilled. I'm, I'm, you seem like a happy I'm camper. Happy. You know, I am. I'm grateful and I'm happy, but... Dave, I should be a rock star. Dude, you know, me too. Because of the drinking. Dude, I had a fucking. I know you should be too. I, I had a. I had a yes. deal. I had a. I was on fucking TV, and, and and I. As soon as I got a deal, I, I wound up doing heroin. Like I did heroin that one time in purchase in his room, <laughs> Thank God. and he was like, Garrett was like, you're an idiot. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I was like, big deal. And then I said to Garrett, I'm never going to do it again. I had a fucking. I had a three. Here, please. What are you going to say? I'll never forget what you said. Did you, do you remember? You were like, no, nah, it's way too decadent for me. I'm never going to do it again. And you were like, you're a decadent guy. You would love it. And I was like, I know. We had that conversation. I remember it as clear as day, Dave. You were like, I'm never doing it again. And I really believed you. You know, I thought you were one of those guys, like, and I think even in the rooms I mentioned it where I was like, you know, I had a friend in college, you know, he did heroin once, you know, and he, you know, he's different. It's so funny because I I, I I became the total cliche. I, I lost my whole life to it too, and now I'm a fucking waiter. You see that? It's fucking ridiculous. So yeah, all the listeners, beware, beware. But Garrett, I knew that I knew that you'd be a, a joy to have on the show, and it's so good to hear your voice. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, it's any opportunity, man. I wish I was still living in New York. I'd love to see you, but. Uh... You know, uh, yeah. Thank you for. It was great to hear your voice, man. So let's. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll be in touch, though. It's too. It's too good to have you at my fingertips like this. So, um. Yeah, man. And if I'm in New York, I'll try and catch you. I'll try and drag you down. Please, please do. If you're ever in New York, you let me know, and we'll go get coffee and go to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a bunch of old farts. <laughs> do you do you go to meetings still? Yeah, absolutely, man. I love them. You know, I. I you know, that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I got to the point where, yes, you need it. You need it to survive. Then it's like, you got to do it. Now I just enjoy it. It's my social, you know, I love people and I love the whole thing that it, everything about it. So I love it. I look forward to it. And it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's an incredible gift, you know, from God, I believe, you know, but, um, there it awesome. is. There it is. Love you, Garrett. Thanks, Garrett. I love you, man. Hey, you guys take care and good luck with this thing. Thanks, bud. We'll talk soon. All righty. Bye. Bye-bye. He was great. I told you he'd be great. He was great. Yeah, but that's just my thing. You get some drug addicts on here, they tell great shit. Yeah, he's really an alcoholic, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's great. Yeah, I loved it. Um, It was a step in memory lane, too, for you. Oh, yeah. That story about... I didn't know. You never told me that you did heroin once in college and then said you'd never do it again? I told the story on Toby. Did you? Yeah. Oh. The sto- you sniffed it. The story... Yeah, the story was... You remember that guy who came on the show, Jason? He brought yeah. me and my roommate, Zev, dope. He was like this junky rock star. He was in a big band yeah. in, the, in the 90s. Yeah, I know. And he was. came through, and he came through with this dope... And I was just like, sure, I'll try it. And I got really high. I hooked up with this ugly chick. I woke up with her in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm not going to do that again. I was throwing up, blah, 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 blah. I told yeah. Garrett I wasn't going to do it again. And uh, and I, I was also a, real, a stoner, like, 
stoner, stoner, stoner. So yeah. I was just like, I'd rather smoke weed every day. Yeah. And I never went back. And I tripped here and there and I smoked weed. And then, I don't know, as soon as there was coke, as soon as there was coke in my life, I wanted to do whatever I can to not feel up yeah. on coke. Yeah. And then I just wound up on heroin. Yeah. All right. Does that, does that make sense? Really, really with the heroin, for me, it was like my anxiety. I was so nervous about my job and stuff. Yeah. And I was so nervous about being the center of attention yeah. that the dope really calmed me down for that. Yeah. Well, the dope is the antithesis of your personality. So you get more of an effect from it, which is the theory on what your drugs of choice are. If you're a super chilled out type of guy... Sometimes, and this isn't always true, but sometimes you like uppers more because it, it's a big swing. Whereas you, you're already neurotic, so you like and to I'm go also down, up, and you like to go down. I'm so, so it's like up. more of an effect for you because it's a bigger swing. But it's also like I mean, I, I cannot imagine what it's like to be a quiet person who takes coke and they're finally themselves. Because I'm the I'm totally loud. I talk to strangers. I talk to people yeah. incessantly. So when I get to do downers. It's literally a vacation. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like literally a relief. But how about tripping on mescaline and having a refrigerator full of dead animals? That would fuck with me. Just that I can totally imagine the black lady part. Sick. The Samoyed, too. I, that, that's just God right there. That's God. That's, that's God, God shot. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's you stay the, sober that, and this stuff happens. That's the closest thing to a God <laughs> shot I've ever Samoyed is the type of dog that Annie I'm currently has. cohabitating with. And we were making fun of it last episode. And I've never even heard the word Samoya before. <laughs> yeah, I never knew what it was until I met Sammy And then he's the like, dog. you know, Samoya. Yeah. Um, but um, that's the closest to God I've ever been right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke, God. I'm just playing. Yeah. Um, fucking that thing, what you said about like tripping being the best stories, it's because they're the funniest. Because like white dog, big fat black lady's hands, and you think you're the dog. It's like, that's the classic psychedelic thing. It's like me thinking my friends were gay because we're asking for bong hits. You know, it's like that crazy psychedelic misunderstanding. Because you really believe it in that moment. Yeah. You're like so stretched out. I just always thought I was God. Yeah, I never thought that. Yeah. I really believed it. But that's why you have serious mental illness. Severe mental illness. I pissed my bed because I was God. I was laying in bed and I had to pee. And I said, why do I have to go to the bathroom? God doesn't go to the bathroom. I didn't think I was God. I thought I was Jesus, which I guess is God. And I was like, I'm Jesus. So I just pissed my bed. And then I never told you this. And then I got up and I was just in my boxers and they're all wet. And I was like, I need to go tell yes. my mom and dad that yes. I'm Jesus. We have a whole episode called The Time I Thought I Was Jesus. Oh, the Time I Pissed My, my Pants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Do you remember why I didn't tell my parents? Because they would have known you were on drugs if you said you were Jesus. So, and what my thought process was? It's better to be Jesus and have them not know. No, I'll tell them I'm Jesus when I'm not on drugs. Right. Because they'll know that I'm just mistakenly saying, they'll think I'm mistakenly saying it because of the drugs. So I'll wait for the drugs to wear off and then I'll let them know I'm Jesus. The best part is that the logic of that, that still resides in you right now. You're sitting here with this <laughs> air of like, that That was so logical and it made so much well, sense. Well, it's back to what Randy said in the last episode is everybody has a piece of divinity in them and they have to share it. Your I think piece is all, just, I think your piece is just, the it, come, it comes straight out of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. I don't have a piece. See, that was the thing about what Randy said. I don't feel like I have a piece of divinity. In you me. do have a piece of divinity. I can tell you. I can see it. I don't. I, I don't. The Jesus in me sees it in you. Jesus doesn't live in me. <laughs> yes, it does. Jesus is just a man. 
who was really in touch with his divinity. Listen, I love Jesus, and if there's one thing I know about Jesus, Jesus prefers, prefers us to share and church of other drugs. And he's the first son of God? If God had a son, <laughs> if God impregnated Mary, then yes, Jesus was his, his son. He immaculately conceived. She didn't. The, the, the joy of this for me what? is that you believe this, <laughs> but you don't actually believe it. You, you're, like, you're like fucking with me and all of the Christian dopey nation out there by, by acting as though you believe that... What do you mean? I believe it at all. Reconciliation, transubstantiation. I'm just, I'm I honestly, afraid. I don't think you believe in a stitch of it. The stitch of it, huh? What are you going to be playing music now? Play the intro song. Play That's the intro. That's the intro song? Yeah. Was it an electric guitar? Did you see an electric no, guitar? No. I, I can't play the both parts the, at the same in time. In the intro, was it an electric yeah, guitar? Because it sounds it. much better. You think it sounds better than that? That's the intro? It doesn't even sound like it. That's it goes, not the intro. It's the intro. Play the intro. And it goes, If I'm not home, I'm out walking around. I feel a little sick And it might be time to play that trick And if I'm not home I might be letting you down Yeah, further on down the road No one's sure what'll unfold Wait, okay, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop I'm gonna play the intro for ten seconds And then you're gonna play it Ready? Hold on. Fuck. Hold on. Let me turn the volume up. Sorry, Dopey Nation. Here we go. Who's rocking out there? Okay. Okay. Now you play. so much better than like a guitar. Right? This isn't even telling the same thing. Well, the truth is... Do you have one of those whammy pedals? I didn't play that. Oh, you didn't? Who played that? That was this guy, um... I don't remember his name. My friend Justin would remember his name. It was, uh... He's made... Uh, I can't remember his name. Tim and... This guy, he was a great guitar player. Uh, but I wrote it, and then we played it as a band, and on that version, I just did this. I like that on the acoustic. But it's a real junky song. It goes, If I'm not home, I'm out walking around. And you might feel a little sick. And it might be time to play that trick. And if I'm not home, I could be letting you down. Yeah, further on down the road, no one's sure what'll unfold. 
songs related to drugs in my home. I might be painting the town. A really nice shade of green. A shade of things that you've never seen. And if I'm not home, I don't remember the last verse. I might be not painting the town. Oh, I'm out defending the crown. What does that mean? Giving it, giving it all I got. I'm doing my best to stay on top. It's good. That song was... What is defending um, the crown? That's what, like... Uh, Rhymed with painting the town? No, it did. It did rhyme well. <laughs> no, it's like in Lord of the Rings. They're defending the crown of Rohan by going to battle. They're defending the crown. But describe that in real life terms. Well, if you really want to know, the whole song is about copping. Yeah. If I'm not home, I'm out walking around. Yeah, I get that. So if I'm out defending the crown, the crown is my drug use. And by defending it, I'm scoring drugs. Okay. All right. How's that? I'm not totally seeing the connection, but I'll buy it. I want you to play the version. Is so That version is so good that I have on that song. Play it at the end of the show. I never complain. The full, not home. I have the full on my computer. That's good. All right, should I read the review of the week and we're going to wrap this up? Where are we at? We're almost done. 53. 53? We got to do something else. No, we're going to play the song and put the intro and it'll be good. Shorty? Yeah. All right, so you love this this one. It's so short, though. It's so combative, though. Combative. 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 It really activates my people pleasing. All right, so the... Why don't we talk about that review, for a second? The review... We can talk How about does that. my way impact your people-pleasingness? Well, like, we got into it, I mean, for instance, me and Annie, okay? So she has her, the Samoyed we keep referencing, and you can't have dogs over 40 pounds. And Sammy's 55 or 50 pounds. He looks like he's 90 pounds because he's a big fluff ball. He's clearly over 40 pounds. Yeah, and so they said something to her, and Annie has a note um, that says... He is a service dog. And this is what the note says. It's from her psychiatrist. So the, the woman said something and went and spoke to the building manager. She only hates service dogs. And so I, I've got problems. I said, you know, the, Sammy, like uh, Annie's dog, I was like, actually, she's an emotional support dog. And she said, well, I need to see the paperwork for it. So Annie gives me this note. It's from her psychiatrist. It says, to whom it may concern, um, Annie has an emotional support dog. And then it says the dog, the thing. Or something like that. It's it's literally like a half a sentence. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest piece of shit. No, you know what I mean? It's so tiny. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a people pleaser. I go in and I'm also just like an idiot. So I hand it to her and I have this stupid smile on my face. And she's kind of just like, what is this? And I guess actually, and I found it on MassGov, Mass.gov, that is sufficient for an emotional supporter. That's all you technically need. And she's like, you need some other certificate. But then Annie's like gets super reared up. She's like ferocious, you know, she's South American and she gets like, you know, gets into it and she's like, that's all you need, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my people pleasing is like, just let me handle it. Do you know what I mean? Because every time I see the woman, I'm like super nice to her and it's just like, I just don't want to have an argument and then have to see her every day. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll handle it much differently than something else, which is full circle to this review because I don't even like reading it because I feel like it's just creating this combative. You didn't like this review? No, I liked it. I just don't want to put it on front street. Well, what are you reading it for then? Because you like it. I love it. bread and butter. So this review says... I just want to say this before you read the review. My thing, though, is to be... I like to be combative, or combative is the word, but I also like reconciliation. 
And I feel like a relationship once reconciled is a much stronger relationship than a relationship that never went to war. What, like drunk, like Irish guys get in a fight in a bar and then they're best friends after? I'm not Irish and I've never been in a bar fight. But you know that cliche. More like, you know that stereotype. I right? know that you and I, when we fight in our, and, and reconcile, we're closer for We've it. We've created makeup sex. We're closer for it. Are we not closer for oh, yeah, it? Yeah, of course. But and you ref, you refuse to even know somebody well, well enough to get into a fight with well, them. Well, what's her name? Annie actually says that about me. I get soup whenever we and she's stubborn and I can be stubborn and we get in fights and I get like we get in fights to the fact that I don't want to get in a fight and I want to avoid everything. And she's like, That's what a relationship is. You argue and stuff. And I'm like, I just want to never argue and peacefully go about my life. But that's not realistic. It's not real. It's not real. It's not <laughs> real. All right, let's read this fucking review. So the review is from Game Player zero one zero one zero one. Yes, I. The subject is yup, yup, and the message is better than share and that sober guy combined. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. Listen, I'm not saying that we're better than anybody. No, they're both better than us. They do real recovery work. We just kick it old school. Dopey style. What's wrong with you? What do you mean? I'm not saying we're better than anybody, except. We're probably better than that sober guy. <laughs> and I know Omar thinks he's better than us. Yeah. But, I mean, they're both doing fine work. I just happen to think that we we probably have the best podcast out there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not even joking. Mark Marin and fucking Artie and Anthony. There's only one broadcaster who I dare not say that we're better than. And that's Howard, Howard Stern. I, I want to say this before we finish. I, I like I stopped listening to Howard, you know, a long yeah. like a, a while ago, um, because I didn't want to pay for it, and uh, and I got an, I got annoyed with the show. Yeah. Um. But the other day, um, John Stewart was on the Stern show, and it was a free listen. And one of our listeners actually gave me his login to Sirius to listen yeah. for free whenever I want. So thank you. Yeah. He's going to come on soon, I think. Yeah. Um. But. I listened to this John Stewart interview, and and Howard is just the greatest. Yeah, just what he does. Yeah, he hangs out. He's smart. He's yeah. funny. He's revealing. He's sensitive. He's just so good. And I could only wish that our show could be a fraction as good as Howard. There you go. I love him. All right. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Do you not like Howard? I don't really listen to him. I watch Private Parts. And did you like it? It was okay. All right. Stay strong, my brothers and sisters in and out of the nation. And toodles.